0: You probably know agencies are moving towards zero-trust cybersecurity on their networks. One challenge with that, though, is managing the array of cybersecurity tools and products agencies generally have. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday discussed that issue during a recent panel discussion hosted by ATARC. First, we hear from Jonathan White, Cloud and Data Branch Chief at the Coast Guard.
1: We have basically moved our entire workforce into a DOD 365 environment, which brought a lot of zero trust capability to the force almost immediately. Our next wave right now is what I'm leading, which is our build out of our two cloud environments and building a hybrid cloud and moving and modernizing our applications into that cloud environment. And we're going to take this opportunity to do zero trust from the start. And we're going to build everything with that model and that mindset in play. And one thing we did want to discuss was a contrarian question. Everyone agrees on the benefits of zero trust. What problems and or concerns does the architecture bring to the table? One problem that I have is there's a, there's a ton of vendors, no offense out there, there's a ton of vendors who provide great products, but they are very much overlapping with each other. And I don't want to buy 10 solutions and I use one piece of each of those vendor solutions, right? Uh, but I also don't want one vendor. So what's the right mix there, right? And it's hard for me as a def- decision maker to really look at the technical aspects of all of these solutions and balance that with budget and um, you know, fiscal responsibility and, and also uh, partnerships, right? So that's a big issue in and of itself. The, the other issue is if your identity plane goes down, your network goes down essentially, right? You lose everything. So what I'm seeing, just from an observation standpoint, we're now putting identity in a very precarious position where I can't make any changes to that because I might break it, and I might break the entire enterprise. And we're having a hard time putting identity in like a a dev or stage environment to replicate what the production is. So if I make a change, I I can see if production would break, right? That's a huge problem, a digital twin, if you will, of our zero trust network. I was in CG Cyber before I I came into this position, and I was a a, a witness to several outages as a result of loss of access in our DOD 365 environment. We were just growing into it. And it's kind of painful when 50,000 people instantly lose their email, (laughs) right, Uh, because of a misconfiguration. (laughs) So I I take that with me, right? I, I carry that with me because we don't want to do that again especially as we move all our mission apps into this space. And now, now we're not just talking about email, we're talking about safety of life at sea. We're talking about a search and rescue case, we're talking about the ability to launch an aircraft, right? That's what keeps me up at night when I think about our movement here at Zero Trust. It's a great opportunity, but it also carries with it a lot of risk uh, there that we, have, we haven't really quantified and, and understood.
0: Jonathan White, Cloud and Data Branch Chief at the Coast Guard. Speaking with Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday during a recent ATARC panel, Justin also spoke with Donald Coulter, Senior Science Advisor for Cybersecurity at Homeland Security's Science and Technology Directorate.
2: We're looking at different uh, cross-organizational technological boundaries. We're looking at the interplays between our traditional IT infrastructure and our operational technologies that are across uh, different uh, critical infrastructure sectors. So a lot of the things that we're looking at from a zero trust model and perspective is how do we continue to federate identity across all these different platforms and systems that have varying levels of compute resource? How do we continue to um, verify and the trust in the uh, authenticator systems, especially as data continues to travel and traverse throughout the networks and across different systems? And how do we uh, trust the trust authenticator? How, How are we using more formal proofs to really prove that the system is doing, what it's supposed to be doing, when it's supposed to be doing, and and that's it. So those are some of the key areas that we're looking towards from a zero trust research perspective.
1: Any observations on how the workforce is is dealing with that and what you're doing to, to address that?
2: I think as we look at generating workforce, and I think about education, especially from K through 12 through college, we think through all the STEM courses that we have. A lot of times we teach the, the technology courses as just like straightforward. You, you put the code in and it does it. I think we've got to continue to integrate that adversarial mindset into these, these engineering classes, these programming classes, these computer science pro- classes, so that people are thinking about not only what they're developing, but what could go wrong with what they're developing from day one when we're starting to learn how to code and how to put uh, systems together. So I think it's very hard because our curriculum really is saturated right now, but uh, at the same time, we've got to infuse more of that security mindset, uh, not only those classes, but all classes, because even though as we're trying to make our technical workforce more intelligent, We're also still going to have to continue to protect uh, the broader workforce from themselves and try to move more of the security into the background so that we reduce the the risk from unintentional insider threats. Uh, I mean, zero trust is a great way to think about things. We've always been concerned about the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of our systems, our data, and and ultimately those are only important in terms of what humans are trying to do. So whether we're thinking about traditional IT, we're thinking about cyber-physical systems, operational technologies, and cyber-physical human systems, like the risk models that we have to develop, they have to expand to incorporate that, but they don't really change because we're still trying to figure out the best way to protect our most important assets. But what's challenging from a technical standpoint is that interoperability between these systems. How do we make sure that we can use the right products, the right mixture of products? How can we make sure we have some level of standardization so that we're not locked into one chain? And if something goes down, we know how to you know, come up with a backup system as well.
0: Donald Coulter, Senior Science Advisor for Cybersecurity at the Homeland Security Science and Technology Directorate, speaking with Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. This was at a recent ATARC conference. Check out Justin's story at federalnewsnetwork.com.